Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And so much of what we talk about on this show is about being congruent to yourself, about being proud of who you are, what your experiences have been. And today we are joined by somebody who has really expressed kind of a, for a lot of different reasons, a hesitation and a vulnerability because of a lot of different areas of her background. And so we're joined today by Dr. Abigail Weissman. She's a psychologist and group practice owner in San Diego County. And she's here to talk about kind of this struggle that goes along with coming from marginalized communities and in especially light with a lot of the recent news that's going on. So Thank you, Abby, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We always start with, who are you, and what are you putting out into the world? So, so who are you, and what are you putting out in the world? Oh, my goodness. I'm Abby, and although I had that question beforehand, I still don't know how to answer it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to put out into the world a sense that when you are your full self, you are your best self. We first met Abby through our Therapy Reimagined 2018 conference, and she was so wonderful. And her presentation was on bringing your queer self into the room. So Abby is part of the LGBT community and proudly so and rocked her presentation at at the workshop. But Yeah, everybody was asking you like a million questions. It was something where people were clearly excited to learn more from you. So that was awesome. And in discussing some stuff with Abby off the show, that this is not something that's easy to necessarily constantly be proud of or constantly be out about, and whether it's with your clients or even just in your day-to-day life. I'd like to start there just as kind of like, let's set the tone of like, this is a vulnerable place. It is a vulnerable place. It's a place I'm very proud to be part of. I think it really depends how I identify myself with which population I'm speaking. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm very, it's very easy for me to say I'm Jewish. I'm super proud of that. I'm excited and exuberant to be Jewish. It's really easy to say I'm queer. I'm a lesbian. I'm a dyke. It sort of depends on my mood, which one mm-hmm. of those I say. It's a lot harder to talk about my DNA It's not something that comes up often when I just meet people. People assume I'm female, and that is how I identify. Um, But talking about what kind of woman and how I got to be my woman-y woman self Mm -hmm. um, is something that informs my work and informs my personality and my relationships to people. But it's really often assumed that I'm cisgender. 
And because I come from a different way of being trans than a lot of my clients do, I often don't talk about it using the word trans itself. I feel like I want my clients to have their own identity. So I make up a lot of funny words that are similar, but not quite the same. So it sounds like you're really thoughtful about how you present yourself and how you share your story. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what are the things that help you decide how you present, how you tell your story? And and then there's the part that Kurt was talking about, the whole vulnerability piece. Like, how do you determine your level of safety in sharing Hmm. the different aspects of who you are? I think it depends, which is my favorite answer. And something (laughs) when I was in psych school, I was like, I will never be that annoying psychologist who keeps saying it depends to everything. And that's like the first words that came out of my mouth after I found out I passed the licensing exam. Um, (laughs) So it depends. I think I remember for one of my placements, we each had to come out before as we saw a new client. And so I got to come out as a lesbian to each client that I met because they were assuming that someone who was queer would be their therapist because they came to an LGBT center. But I would decide based on the age and what I knew about the client, how I would describe my queerness. If they were an older adult, I probably wouldn't use the word queer, even though it was in San Francisco. I'd probably call myself a lesbian. And if the person were from like had a little bit of an edge to them, I might call myself a dyke because it's a very... It has more of like a working class connotation, but then it also has more of a social justice kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd be really careful about who I was talking to. It would be hard to remember, but <laughs> I'd do my best, you know. So the story that you tell is is it sounds like dependent on the client and what they'll they'll take in. Let's talk a little bit about your safety and vulnerability because I know that there's a lot, especially in more recent times, where society has kind of keeps the pendulum swing going with acceptance and really horrible, horrible responses to people who they perceive as different. And so how do you, how do you keep yourself safe? I'm not sure. There's a big culture of what is it? The lean in movement. I think every time I feel scared, I do something that's exactly what I'm afraid of. So I remember when I lived in a more queer part of town, every time I was scared of being um, profiled for being queer. I would put up another flag. Um, (laughs) And I used to have a sticker on my car, my old car that said, was like one of those fish stickers um, on the back of the car. And instead of saying like a Darwin fish or it's from like the Christian fish kind of thing, Mm -hmm. um, I had one that had gefilte fish. And so I remember (laughs) being really scared about being Jewish one time. And so I was like, forget it. And I just took it and I plastered it on the back of my car. And then I felt better. Like, if you know this first about me, we can work with it. Yeah. And it, I felt like it almost cut out the slurs that people might say to me because they knew. I mean, I think that was in my head, but it just made me feel better. In the current climate that we live in here in America, where there's so much civil justice, civil advocacy that has happened in the last couple of decades for LGBT rights, And for the pendulum right now to currently be looking at redefining or taking a step back in the other direction towards moving things in defining gender in kind of this binary system again. From from the outside, Katie and I are allies, but the outside, it's a lot different experience than I'm sure that you're experiencing being on, on the inside of this. 
And I'm wondering kind of what kind of fears go along with this and how do you bring that along in, in the sessions and working with the LGBT community as kind of a leader, just even in your own therapy sessions? That's a great question. Um, I think, first of all, I want to say, I don't think of it as just one community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it as like a million communities. There's like a million L communities and there's a million G communities. There's just a million. Um, and so I'm really hesitant to talk about it as one because I know that like as a white Jewish lesbian trans-esque middle class suburban kid of, who now lives outside of San Diego, I come from one very small perspective and I hesitate to talk about, um, to lump us all together, even though I know it's always done as a way to, it's like the easiest way to do it, you know? It's, it's trying to unify something. Yes. Even in that unification, there's still some some concern. There's still kind of a, what does this mean going forward? And you know, at the time of this recording, we are less than a week away from midterm elections. So we are yet to see kind of how this shakes out, especially by the time that this episode posts. But sitting in this feeling of anxiety, of there's not only the vulnerability that you were talking about, but I've seen you speak. I've seen you be proud. I've seen you be a leader. And I'm wondering, you know, even in in seeing all of these separate communities within, you know, all the L's and all the G's and all this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. what's the, what's it like being on both sides of this, of sitting there, being a leader and sitting there and facing this vulnerability at the exact same moment? I think I take a lot of deep breaths and make a lot of quick decisions within session. I was certainly trained to be much less vocal than I am. Um, I remember getting in a lot of trouble and a lot of supervision meetings for talking at all, um, let alone talking about myself or my position, where I am and how I straddle, so to speak, different categories. So I think I I really do feel that it is my job as a psychologist and as someone's psychologist to hold the hope for them. And so I spent a lot of time outside of session trying to figure out how to stay hopeful how to grieve and how to then be hopeful. And then in session, spend a lot of time trying to both be right where the client is and whatever misery or fear. And if it's appropriate, and if I feel like they're open to it, letting them know that I still have hope for them, for society as we're going along. And so I I spend time trying to kind of balance those two a lot. Um, but I have seen tremendous fear and yeah. I um, talk about it on my, you know, copy on my webpage. Like, what is it like to get through this time as an activist and as a social justice advocate? It's not that we haven't had it before. And I spent a lot of time on like five words on my website because I have seen some of the intergenerational trauma that has come from racism in my 40 years of being on this world. There is so much that I have not experienced, but I know haunts my clients' lives and haunts my life. So I think I kind of sit back into that feeling of horror. I mean, for me, I'm thinking of the Holocaust. Like that was always part of my day-to-day growing up experience. It, It was either something not talked about in my family of origin because we moved from there or it was 
the despair around it was discussed. And when I'm in a room, in a room with a Jewish client or even with not a Jewish client, I'm thinking about the generations that came before and some of the work of like Native American therapists and psychologists who have talked about bringing the ancestors into the room, like who is in the room that is not being named, bringing in their stories and their trauma so we can name them together. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I really like how you're talking about it. And I'm just, you know, in my own mind, thinking about you in the room holding hope. And it feels like it would be very hard to hold hope right now, especially after the recent Mm -hmm. Tree of Life synagogue shooting. And I know that it's not something that's, I'm sure, easy for you to talk about. I'm sure there's pieces of this where you're you're holding good boundaries with the people around you because you of your role as a helper and a healer. And so please, you know, this is mm-hmm. the, the trauma therapist and me saying, please feel completely in charge of what you disclose and how you talk about this. Okay. But it seems like with the things that are happening in this moment and in history, it would be really hard to hold hope and it would be really hard not to be scared yourself. And, and, and so I just want to, I don't have a specific question, but more just a request for reflections and thoughts because this is a truly horrifying time, you know, and it's, it's something that I guess I just, I just want your perspective on it. I, I don't know a better, better way to ask that question, but you know, what are your thoughts? How are you doing? Um, thank you. I appreciate the chance to be here because I think I've been wanting to talk and not feeling like I have a place to do so. I think it hit me. I try not to use like violent languaging, but I, whatever it hit me that mostly, most likely my clients will not bring it up this week. It's not as close as the memo, the memo from um, 45 saying basically trying to erase gender um, or erase differences in sex and gender so that was something I had to grieve on my own. Um, and I come, my family of origin is Jewish and I'm now part of a multi-faith family. And so to have a wife that could open her arms and just hold me and just let me have some time where I was like partially not really disassociated, but just not quite present. Yeah. Um, so that when I go in to meet with clients, I can hold the space for the pain of it, but not have to be in it myself. So I do have hope. I mean, I did see a lot of people coming to the inter and multi-faith morning vigils. 
so much so that I couldn't get in the door. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I left clients. Like I left session a little later than I wanted to. And on the way, I pulled over to check, you know, to see if there'd be a live streaming. And there, I couldn't figure out how to do it. And they said, oh, we've reached maximum capacity. And I felt at once, both on the outside and the inside, like I really needed to be there with my community. I was really glad that all the allies decided to show up and be present and, and you know, be there. But I needed the room to be there and I couldn't get in the door. And there was a vigil on the outside, but I felt like that was too ironic almost. I don't know if that's the proper use of the word, but it was too much. Yeah. I didn't want to be on the outside in my inside world. I wanted to be on the inside, you know. Um, my family of origin is not local, like, and they don't understand why it hurts so much. So I didn't, I didn't want to be around people who were, who were like, oh, Abby, it's okay. We can be happy together. I wanted to be around people who would embrace the grieving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think in session, it's I do have some hope because all these people are coming together and making it real. They're actually saying the word Jewish, you know, yeah. they've come up with a lot, lot, lot of um, people not thinking that anti-Semitism exists anymore. Since I don't live in a big Jewish Mecca anymore, because mm-hmm. um, I'm from the East Coast from Boston, and I did live in um, LA for a bit. And even in San Francisco, I had a really strong community. And here, I feel very isolated. So... It's been really hard to talk about Jewish stuff without feeling like it's not worthy of, not that it's not important, but it's like that super cheesy therapist, like, we hear you, we respect you, and we're going to do whatever the heck we want to anyway. Ah. So like all of the, a lot of the organizing things are on Friday nights and Saturday mornings. And that's Shabbat. Like, no, I'm not working and seeing clients on Shabbat because I set that as a priority in my, even when I had no clients. I was like, well, someone calls no Friday night, no Saturday morning, no Saturday. But a lot of even the trans stuff is held on Friday night or Saturday morning. Mm. And so I asked for Sunday, Sunday afternoon after people had gone to church. And I was met with a like, that's a great wish, but no. Wow. So I have to pick and I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) So if I don't pick, it means I don't get either. When you're faced with picking or fighting every aspect of your life or standing up for yourself in literally every direction that you go in, I imagine it's exhausting. And especially, you know, I know that you have a baby at home now, so that's probably like a whole other aspect of it. But how do you keep this up? How do you, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to put yourself out there to stand up in any of these areas, let alone all of the areas that you're talking about? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I'm not really sure. It's like a laugh of disbelief. And I'm sitting here with tears down my face, but I don't know if you can tell. I think the tears are healing. Um, I think having a baby means that I'm more exhausted. And so I'm quicker to realize that if I don't feel my feelings, I, you know, I'm out of luck. Yeah. Trying not to swear very badly. Um, <laughs> just imagine me swearing a lot, like profusely at this point. I want to move all the time. I miss my religious community that had so much, even though I was angry with them for 
a million things, not being radical enough. I was most at home there than anywhere. And I still connect to the people there, but it's not the same. And I'm looking for a piece of that here. And I, I can't I can find little bits, but it's not as activist-y anywhere near what it was. So I have the Sador, the, pray, the prayer book. I pick it up. I say a couple of prayers. It's not quite the same. And then I keep wanting to think, well, no, I'm, I'm staying here because I'm needed here. I don't know if I'm as needed in San Francisco. There might be a lot of me's. It turns out people say they're not. There's only one me, but it's just, it's a little more tricky. I feel like here I can be more helpful because I do feel like San Diego versus San Francisco. Like every year I'm here, I add another 10 years of difference. Like even my training in San Francisco felt like the time I moved here, I was like, oh my goodness, we are 20 years behind. I think I'm at year seven or eight here. And I'm like, we are 40 or 50 years behind. <laughs> um, so I don't know what happens if I stay here any longer. Um, <laughs> but it's in the action that I find the most excitement and the most energy. So every time I protest or I bring my family to a protest or I talk with my wife about stuff, I feel like, okay, I can do this. I'm ready. Let's go fight the good fights. I think that's really awesome. And I think it's a huge responsibility that you're putting on yourself to to kind of sacrifice home community, that kind of stuff for this work of helping people move forward. And so to, to slightly shift gear a little bit, because I think this is something that we ask a lot of our guests because they have a unique perspective that we really value and know that's important is, is kind of Within the therapist community, what do we often get wrong from your perspective? Because I know that there's, and there's, I'm sure there's different pockets throughout, you know, throughout the, the world that have, you know, pros and cons. But from your perspective, especially talking about kind of being so far behind and, and having that stuff, what do, what do you think therapists oftentimes get wrong? Think of some of the questions that were asked at your conference. I think they get wrong assuming that the population that we're talking about is an other and I'm saying, oh, everyone here wants to know what is after the LGBTQ. And I'm like, you're probably talking to a lot of people who identify as LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so but don't be so quick to discount us. We're still in the room with you, even if we're not out and about um, or not out in that particular moment. I remember speaking at like CPA and there was something like those trans people. And I'm like, I'm right here. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm right here. You're still, you're talking to me, but you're, you're othering me at the same time. It was kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, so I think the whole, like when you're talking about these populations, recognizing that they're people too. I keep thinking of the caravan of people that are coming up through Mexico-ish right now. And some are planning on staying in Mexico and some might continue to the U.S. And our interesting president has decided to send forces down and how it's so different when you think of the caravan as if they're far, far away versus all the stories I hear of the people who just want a better life, just like my family did. So to be able to bring these people as closer as us people. I think is what I want from therapists desperately. And more specifically around queer and trans stuff, it would be super cool if we were believed that this is real. If I have one more person tell me it's a disassociative identity disorder, which is... Oh my gosh. I will not be floored anymore. I just think like, okay, you're missing it. 
And even if they were part of a disassociative identity disorder, okay, people have disassociative identity disorder. They've had a lot of trauma. I'm not going to discount their story. And I will still ask, what pronouns make you happy? And I will answer, you know, I will use those pronouns. I won't say like, keep forgetting like the first line of an assessment, like a client who believes that they are male. Oh, wow. Like female client who believes that they are male. Like, no, 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 no. Like client identifies as female or assigned male at birth, female identified. And then I usually put in parentheses like legal pronouns and then actual pronouns. I don't even use preferred. Preferred, I got to tell you, is old school. These are my pronouns. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And this kind of leads into the the next question, which is, you know, there, there's the very obvious wrongs or the very obvious like otherings that you've described Yeah. for people who are allies who might not be a hundred percent there, like (laughs) fully up to date on things. What can we do better? Um, I appreciate your question very much. I would say I'm still learning. Like it took me a long time to realize that preferred wasn't the way to go after I said it to someone else who was angry that, angrier than I was. And I was like, okay, we'll say that anymore. That's fine. So I always try to have like a lightness and I hope that came across that. For sure. I would say my favorite part of allies is when they let people project on them or assume that they are that population just for a second. So it's those 15 seconds where someone's like, where someone like, I'll just talk about me, think I'm bisexual. And they're like, oh, you're so awesome. I think it's so cool, you know, that you support the bisexual communities and like, you're totally there. Instead of me quickly saying like, I'm not bisexual, but I do support them to Mm -hmm. instead be like, I'm so glad that you agree that it's important to celebrate bisexuality. I mean, bisexual people have been through the ringer and I'm so glad you're with me and that you also want to support this awesome community or this, you know, community filled of a multiplicity of identities, whatever the heck you want to say. Mm -hmm. Those 15 seconds of someone assuming that you are of that population is such a joy for a person like me to hear. Like, it's not something that has to be discounted immediately. Or vehemently denied. I think that's the thing that that is, I would imagine, extremely disheartening and and othering. Yes. Like the, I'm not them, but I like them. (laughs) I'm like, are are you sure? Cause like, you know, it's not quite coming through as a full liking. Like I remember interviewing my um, psychologist who works for me, Camilla. I was like, I swore, like I super thought you were queer. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, no, it's okay. (laughs) I just really thought you were queer and I have to go back and examine my own perceptions of gender identity. Thank you. And she's like, no, I really, I just like my husband. I'm just, I'm heterosexually oriented. And she didn't have to deny herself, like just herself. 
Mm-hmm. And yet it was so comforting to have her say, you know, I thought about it and I, I am cisgender and I realize I am heterosexually oriented. That's me. Mm-hmm. And yet she didn't have to run and be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not queer. <laughs> so I think that that's one way that allies could be amazing and are amazing. And we need allies. Like, it's hard. So, yeah, I think that um, it helps to keep learning about the population and not assume you're an end-all be-all. I really hesitate to say that I'm an expert in certain areas, but then people call me that. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am an expert. Um, but I, I feel like there are a lot of cisgender and heterosexually identified people who are like, I support the, like, I don't know, there's some fine line between saying you're a really awesome ally and being an expert in Mm. that population of which you serve. It's really hard line to be part of. I find that I often just say, you know, I work with LGBTQIQAP people and those who love us or those who love them, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. I don't identify as a gender therapist, for instance, which is a term that a lot of people use to find me. So it's like, it would be helpful to put it in my copy or my SEO. But I often talk about how that term where I was trained was not not an okay term to use in San Francisco. And yet now that I'm here in more of a suburban community, that's the term that people look for. And so I struggle with the terms that are being used, but they are the ones where people find me so that an ally knows the history or the history or the history of the terms that are being used, I think is vital to the best of their ability. No one's perfect. Yeah. I think that's, that's always something that it's hard to do, but I think it's something we're remaining curious and wanting to learn. And I think even just reflecting on the, the first part of what you were saying is just really accepting people where they are, believing them, understanding them, just taking it all in and not trying to put any outside parameters on it. I think that's, you know, trying to fit into antiquated structures, I think can oftentimes really hinder people in saying, well, I have to, I have to fit it into a specifically defined gender, or I have to fit it into a a specifically defined viewpoint. And I think there's so much about kind of the division in the country even that's about, do we believe people or do we not? Mm-hmm. And especially if we, do we believe marginalized people or do we not? And I think it's, it can be hard, you know, thinking of myself and how I interact with the world. It can sometimes, I can find my bias come up and really try, I, I kind of simmer on it and I, you know, kind of try to really understand what's what's happening. But I think it can be very hard because oftentimes we may not be aware of our own bias. And, and I think to me, I, I it's really wonderful being able to talk with you because I think even using an old way to describe something or asking a question in a way that could be othering or that kind of stuff, you know, being able to have the conversation and say, whoa, 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 (laughs) let's, let's talk about what you just said. And it helps to really bring that conversation, you know, not that it's your responsibility to educate me necessarily, but just that you being willing to say, Hey, this is what the, this is what it is now. I mean, being able to go, Okay good, good to know. You know, I think it's that thing of being able to just continue in these conversations together, I feel is so important because I think there's, I know I have so much to learn and so many things to, to work through on my own end, you know? <laughs> we all do, right? Yes, of course. I appreciate your willingness to um, learn though. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like your willingness to be like, oh, oops, that term wasn't right. I guess I'll figure out what the next one is and look at it. Yeah. That's such a rare skill. Yeah, I think and we think I think we see that in the Facebook group, right? Where where people yeah. start getting defensive of their perspective versus trying to take it in another's. And so to me, that's always something that I try really, really hard to do is where am I lacking? What am I not saying? Where can, you know, in my perspective, you know, where am I not fully in, in this? Because being a cisgender, primarily heterosexually oriented person, like it's that piece of, you know, how do, what do I miss? You know, what do I, yeah. what don't I see? Cause it's not my experience. And I think being able to, to be open to that, I, you know, I am proud of that, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, shocking to me to see people who, you know, kind of plant their flag and, you know, and not the beautiful flags that you're putting up, but, you know, like this is my perspective and I'm not going to be changed. It's like, well, but we all need to be open and and hear and experience and connect and integrate these perspectives. So we get a better view of what really is. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Or can you hear that? So may this be so that would be wonderful. Uh, (laughs) As you're talking, I was realizing I do have my, my other grumpy moment is please pay for consultation. Yes. Like not you necessarily, but like the world. I feel like a lot of people will now pay for business consultation, which is awesome. Not always. I, not always I love it. More power <laughs> to you. Please pay for consultation for clinical stuff too. I, I don't like the idea. I think as a psychologist, I use consultation, I think differently then I heard brought up in the conference for me consultation and you have to, I'm not the legal person. Right. So Kurt, you got to help me too. <laughs> um, but like for me, consultation is I want, I'm licensed already. I want to learn more about a topic. I want to make sure I'm doing right by this population. Let me talk to someone who knows more than I do. Yes. Um, and we can work it through. Is that, Sounds right. Yes. That was like one point, you know, um, <laughs> I find a lot of people will post really detailed stuff on these online forums and then be like, no, tell me what you think. Oh, good. I know what to say to my client. I'm like, no, you really don't. Like there are so many more questions I have for you in order to be able to support you properly. And I've gotten, I'm like, I'm happy to provide consultation. I love it. It's one of the things I adore in this world, but I actually need to be paid for my services. Yes. That would be super neato. And so I've had some people contact me from forums very early and be like, I thought this was free. I'm like, no, I would like it not to be free. But yeah. since you're on the phone with me and we found 15 minutes for us to talk about your client, just whatever. That's cool. So that kind of leads me to our final question, which is Uh-oh. if people would like to consult with you or, or find you, where can they find you? And what, what areas uh, would you want to consult on with them? You can find me on my website at wavesite.com or calling, but I really think that you have much better luck if you go to the website and you hit (laughs) like the contact me button and send me an email, I'll respond. It's very good. Otherwise, anything relating to being queer or trans, those are my ways of saying, instead of saying LGBTQIQAP, I say queer and trans. Sure, I'm missing someone. And if I am, you know, please let me know. And I'm open to hearing your identity label. Anything especially relating to being Jewish and trans and Jewish and queer, that's where my heart is. That's where my dissertation work was and is in. Um, Anything working with people who are really religious and trying to figure out their gender and their sexual orientation. Um, That's 
a big part of my practice these days is how to be both and. Yeah. Uh, which parts do you want to be both and about? What what feels best for you with your own sexual exploration and your gender identity labels? That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It was really, really great talking with you. I appreciate your conversation. Oh, thank you. We will include Abby's website in our show notes. You can find those on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. And we invite you to join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and you can continue on the conversations, ask questions, make suggestions for future topics for us. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Bernoy and Dr. Abigail Weissman. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code Modern Therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.